Hey everyone, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I talk to former classmates from Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. If you haven't yet, listen to episode 243 with Coach Kyle Wilson, available everywhere you get podcasts, and of course, video is available at youtube.com slash redshirtplayer. Head over there and subscribe to the channel. Give the podcast five stars if you're on Apple Podcasts. It helps me out. And of course, follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. This week, my guest is Mayor of Conshohocken, Yaniv Aronson. Yaniv is from class of 2000, one year ahead of me, and I've been wanting to talk to him for quite a while. It was just a matter of timing. I never know who's really listening to the podcast outside of our class unless they let me know. So I always have a little bit of anxiousness of re-explaining everything to a new audience and pitching them to come on the podcast. But Yaniv not only knew about the podcast, he was hoping he'd have an opportunity to be a guest. So that was exciting for me because in high school, as I get to explain to him, I paid a lot of attention to Yaniv and his work in our TV lab at school. I wanted to somehow do what he was doing, but until he became mayor, I didn't know where Yaniv ended up. So this was my chance to ask him how everything turned out the way it did. But I didn't realize he'd done so much to get here. So I'll just leave it there and let's just get right into it. Here's my conversation with Mayor Yaniv Aronson. How's it going? Hey, man. Good to see you. It's good to see you. It's been so long. I see you, you know, on Facebook and everything, but... Yes, 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 I'm sure. Um, it was funny. I was... Um, uh, Ryan Conway and I went to a Phillies game, like, in the fall, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the show, and I was like, man, is he ever going to ask me to be on the show? And Ryan was like, I don't know, man. I think you have to be from 01. <laughs> so when you texted, it was pretty awesome. So, Yaniv, it's, it's interesting because um, I think my first question is, like, at what point when you were, like, doing a, uh, the Wizahickin TV show, your own, like, the Stilo show, what point did you decide you <laughs> want to and can and could be mayor of Conshohocken? Oh, man, it was it was a journey. <laughs> um, well, let's let's back up. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so because of that, that TV lab class, um it really built this love of, of filmmaking in me. So um, I went to Penn State for film. And then after graduation, moved out to Los Angeles and ended up working in reality TV. So um, so back then, like mid 2000s was like cooking shows, travel shows, ghost hunting shows. Oh, like wow. Kind of thing. So so it was really cool, really fun. Um I just like, I just didn't click with, with LA. I just didn't click with the industry. Um, I, I happened to have a producer on one of the shows that um, was from Philly and she had left the industry and went to teach film at West Philly high. And she said, you know, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm getting a job at QVC. Um, I think you'd be great to take over my spot. You'd make a great teacher. So I interviewed and, and, through some some weird magic, I ended up at a different high school in Philly, but um, I, I got to um, build up their film program and I got to be like a film teacher um, uh, for seven years. And then um, at night I was teaching at Monco. I was teaching like um, screenwriting and film and that kind of thing oh, wow. and loving it. Um, and then um, uh, eventually moved to Conshohocken and um, 
like I just got really involved in the community. Um, Ryan, again, to bring him up, started this amazing running club in um, Conshohocken, where on a nice Thursday night, we'll get 100 plus people, like like absolutely massive. A, a um, night like tonight's about to be. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Um, and um, so 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 it turned into a thing. Uh, met my um, my wife there after a run. Um, so so it was it was pretty amazing. Um, someone from the Rotary Club uh, saw what we were doing with the club and said, hey, we're, we're trying to make like a young Rotary Club. Would you want to chair an evening meeting um, that we're going to market towards millennials? I said, sure. We did it. We made this amazing evening club that still exists. And um, again, very involved in the community, trail cleanups, food drives, whatever the community needed. Um people in local government started to, to see what we were doing. And one of them said, Hey, you know, I, I feel like you'd make a really good mayor. Is that something you would ever consider? And and wow. we kind of talked about it and um, I ended up running and, and winning. That's incredible. That's an incredible back half of, of the story. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It started, and it started with service and like being visible and active in the community that that's really what led to it. Wow. So then where did you grow up? Because obviously you didn't grow up in Conshohocken. So, um, yeah. So, you know, one, one thing um, a lot of people don't know is I moved before coming to Bluebell, Mississippi. Um, I moved like 10 times growing. So I lived all over the country, um, everywhere, all over the place. So um, so we, we my final my family finally settled in the Philly area. Um, and that was kind of final. My mom eventually said that's it. Hmm. Um, but what was facilitating uh, the moves. So my uh, my parents, um, uh, they're just like like my dad's from Canada. My mom's from California. They, they actually both met in Israel because they just had a passion for Israel. I was born in Israel, so I'm actually an immigrant. And, you know, it was kind of the American dream, just just moving for better and better jobs. Um, and uh, yeah, just just luckily we settled in Bluebell and, and my transition into Wissick in high school. So really, I started at the high school, um, even though it feels like I was always there. Um, it uh, it worked out really well. And then, um, you know, uh, my parents are still there. They're in Collegeville, so they're still in the general area. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of uh, that's kind of how I got here. So did you start in ninth grade? I started in tenth grade, actually. Tenth grade. So, yeah. where did you, where were you coming from? Your last your last area that you had moved before you moved to Bluebell. Where were you coming from? Chesterfield, Missouri. Whoa. Um, yeah. Just and like then, Bluebell, right? <laughs> and then before that, uh, Warwick, Rhode Island. So you know, uh, all over the place. Uh, yeah, we had a, a cornfield like on our on our street at the top of our street. Interesting. Um, so so yeah, it was a pretty. Um, Pretty, pretty interesting transition. I actually was ready to leave St. Louis. It really wasn't vibing. So, so coming back to Philly, coming to the Northeast was, was a good move in the end. Yeah. What were the, what were the differences for you then coming from the Midwest into, was this your first time in like the Philadelphia region? So, so really, um, so yes to the region. Um, we, we lived in Rhode Island. We lived in North Jersey. We lived okay. in um, Rochester, New York. So, so kind of this area was, was a little more familiar. And then St. Louis was like, what's going on here? Um, just, you know, little things like, uh, like, you know, like not having asphalt streets, they have concrete streets was always a little weird, uh, but they don't have to worry about the icing that we do, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and just cultural stuff. It is, it is a little more conservative. So I did notice that um, certainly not as uh, diverse as we have in this area. So that, sure. that was very noticeable. 
um but but it was it was cool like it was fun it was good to like see it but it was also good to to leave it after three years and kind of come back to the northeast area so what were you you know when you're moving around what what how old were you when you came to america so i was two so i don't remember uh much from israel uh, my parents say i was fluent in hebrew which which i wish i still was honestly yeah. so we still have a ton of like cousins over there um so yeah i don't remember a lot i, I will say it um instilled in me like i there's just like no fear of moving and, and trying new things so um like like even coming back to philly after i started working at the philly school district and you know like like i came back in 2012 and i was like like a lot of our friends were married by then or, right. or whatever um so like i went to maniunk and that seemed kind of young i went to northern liberties and that wasn't quite clicking and then um thankfully i um i moved to Kanchi and, and it was kind of a nice mixture of what i was looking for um, but yeah, you know, um, it, it was, um, it like moving to LA wasn't a big thing, moving wherever I needed to move. Mm -hmm. Um, even in grad school, I, I went to, um, Australia for a semester and, and, you know, there was just like a kind of a routine kind of thing. So, um, the, the back, the back side is I made very, very close friends at Wissahickon that I'm mm -hmm. still friends with. And like, they talk about things they did in kindergarten and, you know, um, I don't get those stories. I don't get to share those stories. That that's the downside to it. That's interesting that you lead with that. That you made some great friends. I think um, a lot of times the common thread for people who come in when they're 15 years old or so is is that they had a hard time connecting, or they they may have connected and made some friends, but they always looked at that last place that they spent their time as maybe their real home. Um, yeah, yeah. What was your where as it was starting out, obviously, at the end, you know, you've made these great friends, but 10th grade, halfway through 11th grade, is it does it feel that tight with your group of friends? And, and who were some of those people? So, um, yeah, look, it's um, I think school is the hardest part of moving. So like being the new guy, I remember um, very clearly, like walking into the cafeteria and like, just just being like what the hell right it's scary and and i sat at a table and you know you're just kind of there and you know you feel like an ass but like what are you gonna do um so so 10th grade was hard and uh we lived um near wings airfield so um we, we had like a neighborhood so that kind of became um a little more of like um like a friend generator but like as um as the year progressed um People like like um, Joe Joe Gillespie is he was my best man so so you know we be, we became friends um, Katie Fritchman uh, Dan Greeley Jeff Dows like like all these um, all these really really great people um, and, and that gave me confidence going through like ninth uh, through eleventh grade and then twelfth um, grade was kind of just like my coming out party where um, I joined like the cross country team and the track team and I tried out for lacrosse and. I had the show that me and Joe put on and everything just started clicking and I started to get to know a lot of people that that senior year. So it's kind of like this magical senior year where um, I, I felt like I belonged and I knew everyone and very comfortable at the school. Prior to your breaking out, what were you into? What were you doing maybe before while you were in Missouri as you were a kid? What kind of stuff were you into and, and what were you into once you got to Wizzahick and before you had your breakout? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess PlayStation 1. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I remember in um, St. Louis, I was kind of in this crowd of like, like AOL was just coming out, mm. PlayStation was just coming out, and, and we were doing that a lot. Um, I, I guess like like magic cards were were something I remember from St. Louis for whatever sure. reason. Um, and then uh, I think what what 
changed things here was um, was getting involved in the school. So like like joining the teams, um, doing things after school, going to people's houses, um, certainly um, having that show and, and bringing the cameras all over the place um, was, was a big part of that. Um, but uh, like, I really do tell people, like, I don't know where I would be or what I would have done in my life if I didn't have that TV lab class. Um, and meanwhile, Joe Gillespie, who was the producer of that show, is now working for PGA and, and making these amazing nationally televised golf videos. So where would he be without that class? I just saw the other day he worked on the Olympics, on the Summer Olympics. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Or Winter Olympics, I guess we just got done. Yeah. He worked yep. on, the, on the Winter Olympics. That's like incredible. Yeah. And it becomes, you know, so I'm teaching now, right? I teach at the community college. Um, and I tell my students, it's not that it's a hard major. It's, it, it's a black hole because like, when is a movie done? Right. Mm -hmm. I remember being at Penn State and staying in the TV lab in the editing room until three in the morning. Um, like, when is a paper done? It's kind of done when it's done. When is a movie done? I mean, I could still do a million different things to it. Um, so, so that's where it becomes hard. It becomes a time thing. And if you have the passion, like clearly Joe does, um, mm -hmm. you, you make these amazing pieces um, and you kind of figure out what that line is. Um, but um, yeah, it's still it's still interesting to see the younger ones coming through and I get to teach them the same lessons that we learned. It's funny, you know, for me, I joined TV Lab my senior year and I my whole life, you know, was doing childhood acting and modeling and I did not know that. Yeah. So I wow. was like I was doing like runway shows for Strawberry and Clover wow. and you know, going on auditions for for all that and uh, uh, Little Giants, that old the Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill football yes. movie. Like I auditioned for two different roles in that, and wow. you know, never got anything bigger than like a Jerry Stackhouse Habitat for Humanity commercial, and um, okay. so that was like my big thing. But I always thought that I was gearing up to go into theater in college, so I was okay. always I did the musicals all through middle school, high school. Um, just entertainment in general is what I thought I was doing. So I took TV lab just kind of like, oh, this seems like the next big thing. But you, of course, were like a huge impact for me on that because I just, wow, you know, when you were starting, um, you know, Tom Green was like, yes, the thing. Yeah. Um, and so seeing that, you know, you were having this freedom to create something. Um, and I loved MTV and, and Jackass and and a lot of those kind of reality based prank shows. Um, and you were just having this freedom with the camera. And I'm like, wow, you can do that. I need to take that class. I can I want to create something. I didn't know what. That's awesome. And then I ended up quitting the musical my senior year, you know, second wow. semester. I quit it. And all I had left was TV lab. OK. And that is where, you know, you talk about like. With musicals, you, you you have rehearsals, and so your night times, you're you're there, um, rehearsing, singing, dancing, whatever. But it's very mandatory. TV yep. Lab, the after school activities weren't mandatory. It was just, hey, we are doing, we're having this local pol political debate in the auditorium. We need cameramen. So you and like six guys just hang out after school, and you yeah. do this thing, and you're like, that was so cool. This guy was talking about, the, you know, and you, like you just felt like you Absolutely. were doing something, yeah. and it was volunteer and. Um, and you know, I think Mark Pinchotti had a show. I know Mark Pinchotti yep. had a show, yep. uh, was it in TV. So it was like staying and helping with that and helping with the, with the news show. It really helped me develop a, a whole new love of media that I, I think I always wanted to be in, but I never knew how to get into it. And like you said, a black hole, you don't, I didn't know what that path would take me on at all. I had yep. no clue where you could go with that. Yep. Um, yep. you went to Penn state while you were doing TV lab. 
um, and you were in school in general, were you thinking, okay, I'm doing this show, uh, I'm doing TV lab, I'm going to go to film school, I'm going to continue something on TV? Is that was that your immediate thought? I, I think um, uh, I think the path became clear really quickly that um, I wanted to be in the industry for sure. Um, I, I you know it's interesting as, as much fun as I had on the TV side um, and and weirdly enough coming back to TV professionally, um, like I ended up through film school wanting to direct and like write and and kind of be on that side. So mm-hmm. I shied away from actually the technical side and wanted to be a little more like producer director. Um, so so that was like like when I moved out, that's what I wanted. I wanted mm-hmm. to be like a big Hollywood director. Um, and and um, you know the TV stuff was fun. Like I had a really good time, great stories, got to meet good people. Um, but uh, it wasn't like the vibe it wasn't it just wasn't what i wanted like the la vibe there. Yeah, yeah yeah i felt the same way i just had a hard time connecting with the people i was trying to make friends with and um yep. when i spoke to hank jones who lives out in la and and took a you know a, a similar path after college and and is still out there and, and killing it one of the thing big things for him he said was you have to have um, you have to have your your group. You have to have your yep. um, I can't remember the exact name that he used, but you have to have like your crew to hold you down that that you can relate to. And that's something I was never able to find in in L.A. I'm guessing you as well. Uh, so it's it's interesting. I uh, moved out with um, a guy I met, uh, one of our alumni, uh, 99, uh, Brandon Amelot. Okay. Um, we became friends at Penn State. We moved out together, actually. So, so we had that. We had that connection, which was great. Um, and, and you know, I did meet some some really like there's this spirit out there that's just phenomenal. Like it's everyone reaching for their dream all in one town. Like like it's just like that part was just amazing. Um, and maybe we're just like these grizzled Northeast people. I don't know. Um, but I when I went to grad that. school, yeah. I, and when when I went to grad school, um, I went to BU. And um, I, I met a really good group there, like a really good group. Um, and, and they're now out trying to do the same thing. And I see them succeeding and them having like a really solid core friend group and doing mm. doing amazing stuff. So, um, so, so it's awesome to see, even though, you know, maybe it didn't quite click for us, um, you know. Um, it's great to see that that other people I know are still getting out there and doing good things. I have such more of an appreciation having given it a shot and seeing yep. how how it's not a straight path. Um, Absolutely. And, and there's so yeah. many peaks and valleys. I have so much more appreciation for just the grind um, to not just keep working, but to stick around and, yes. and create good stuff. Because one bad move, you could be you could be out and no one's calling you in again. So. You know, when I see people are, are out there and they're doing stuff and they're working, um, it, I just go, wow, that's it's so hard to do. Like, you know, hats off to them. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I would have a hard time teaching it um, if I couldn't give some lessons about things I saw in L.A. Um, so so on that end, it's been really, really good. So I can be like, here's some L.A. stuff you need to know um, mm-hmm. besides the sourdough jack at um uh, Hardee's or whatever, whatever it was, Jack in the Box. Um, you know, besides that, here's some here's some things you absolutely need to know that I wish I knew. What were you? So then, what were you like into growing? I mean, like not growing up, but like in high school, did you have like a favorite class or something that you were attracted to? Something you were really good at? I mean, you did. You went to graduate school too, and I'm assuming that was for yeah. film as well. 
I, you know, besides the, the, the film thing, which ended up being really awesome. Um, I I don't know if I, I found it until a lot later. So, um, even through Penn state, um, and I did some, some good films and, and felt really good about things that were happening there. It really like, like my home, like if I had to tell people what college I graduated from, I say Boston University. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first time, I don't even remember applying to Penn State. I was just always gonna go to Penn State. Um, BU was like, I applied to grad school. I was, I was working, I was gonna leave the workforce and I was gonna make a decision um, you know, based on my research and my feel of different schools. I chose Boston um, and like, that's when I felt like I really connected with, uh, with teaching actually. And, and teaching became a that's thing. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, cause I would have never like two things. I never thought I'd be in life, a teacher and, and a mayor. Right. Um, but, um, I, um, uh, like when I came back here, um, I don't remember the reason why, but I wanted to talk to someone at the college. I'm, I'm Montgomery County. Um, about teaching class. And I don't remember why, I don't remember the situation, but I, um, I, I got on a tour of the campus and this must have been 06, 07, something like that. Oh, that was and right I, after I left. Okay, there you yeah. go. Um, and I snuck away to the workforce development um, office in Park House and I, I popped my head into an office and started chatting with someone in there who um, had a love for film and, and actually had been to LA for a few years and mm. pitched her what I wanted to do. And then a couple months later, I had a class at the community college. Um, and uh, I remember my first class. I still remember it to this day. I remember the room. I think about it every time I pass by. Was it down um, in Cathcart? It, yes. Yes. Um, and um, I just like, I remember my first class being like, wow, I love this. Like, I love teaching. I, lo- I love the questions. Um talking about LA, talking about things I know, talking mm. about the vocabulary I learned in film school, whatever it was. Um, and um, being able to then go to BU um, for film, yes, but also specifically, I, I started taking a lot of actual education classes, mm. classroom management, building curriculum, um, working with students with disabilities and special needs, um, adolescent psychology, all that stuff. Um, it, 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 that's when things started really clicking that um, I wow. really wanted to be a teacher. So when um, it actually came time to have an opportunity at the school district, I was ready. Like I had already, I already um, was in film school. I was already working towards the certification. So I was like ready to jump on it. Wow. That's incredible. Everything for you seemed to just kind of push so much later in your life for, I, of- I would say so. I always, I'm always like, what did I do in the two thousands? Like, yeah. Like I can't like, you know, from 2012 to now um, was Contra in time. And, you know, I, we did the running club. Um, I was teaching at the districts. I became a mayor, one mayor again, right? Doing yeah. things, whatever, got married. Um, but like, yeah, those 2000s, I don't like, I don't know what I did for those, <laughs> those 10 years. Maybe it's something in just that creative, that creative world where we just need to explore and and experience and you know i know for me i I couldn't be you know i didn't know what i was doing but it wasn't until so many years later that i looked around like you said you you when you came back you noticed all your friends and all the people you kind of grew up with in this area are married and living like an adult life that you it wasn't until probably around that time myself that i looked around and said oh i live a really different life than the majority (laughs) of the people that i'm like i'm still kind of living 
this free form, you know, yeah. hippie life of eh, whatever, I'll get to it when I get to it. Or, you know, I'm, I'm at the beach or I'm out here. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm hanging out with these friends and, you know, all my friends now have three kids and yep. <laughs> been married for 10, 12 years. And yep. I'm just getting started in like a, in a settling down type of way. Yeah. I look, uh, and as a teacher, I can tell you, I see that, um, as a generational thing. So, um, I, I have, um, some students that, um, I married, right. Uh, and they, they, you know, are still super young. Um, and I have students that are, that are traveling the world and, and finding their way. Um, so, um, so we're, we are seeing a shift, right. We're seeing a shift of our generation and the newer generations doing things later, taking that time to really find what they do in life. Um, maybe that leads to hopefully a lower divorce rate. Hopefully that leads to, um, less career change. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that also comes into like the great resignation and that, and that whole thing that we're seeing now. Um, but yeah, look, there's, there's no right or wrong way to find your path. I think, yeah. um, you end up where, where you end up. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned sports where you started going, you start running in senior year, but prior to that, uh, you had never done any sports middle school in, in your other States or, uh, uh, prior to was uh, prior to doing it in was like 10th grade, you weren't doing anything like that, huh? <sighs> Gosh, I, I can't remember ever doing like an organized sport. Um, I, I was a big hockey guy. So like my dad is born and raised in Montreal. Right. So grew up with a hockey stick on my hand, grew up with the Canadian jersey on, um, oh, was up funny. all night celebrating 93 when they won the cup. Um, but um, yeah, I can't remember. Like I used to go out like out after school and hang out with, with the neighborhood peeps and, and shoot, shoot the puck around. But um, no, I don't think I did anything organized until senior year at Wissahickon. And then I did everything, <laughs> like everything. That's possible. funny. Yeah, it, it is funny, though, how like those things help just kind of, you know, get you into the world. I mean, I guess that's why yeah. these, you know, they say to do them. But um, it yep. can be very isolating when you're not. You know, everyone's doing these other things. For me, all I had was pretty much were like the musicals. That's why TV Lab was such like a new world for me. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. likewise for, you know, I went to Monco for uh, for two and a half and got my my associates there. It wasn't until I started doing like the radio station and Cap G and stuff and the communications yep. group there that I really, again, like kind of started my college life uh, with friends and groups and doing Absolutely. stuff. Yep. Um, but in high school, I was like, school's over. If I wasn't doing the musicals, walk right back home and then that would be you know yeah. a, f a few friends to call up and hang out with and then that would be it yep yep i mean if i could do a couple things over in life i would have probably done sports earlier but you know um some of that is 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 the moving thing like it, it is tough to do that as the new person right right so so if i had some more roots here there's a good chance i would have done sports all through high school mm. um but um yeah it was probably just a matter of being comfortable at that point having a friend group Probably a couple of them said, hey, you know, we do cross country track. You should do that. Right. Um, and that, that's sometimes enough to get you in. Where did you see yourself in high school? You know, from from my perspective, you were kind of this um, uh, enigmatic uh, personality <laughs> who is like, you know, I, I really only knew you through um, I, and I was, you know, Bob, Bobby and I were in the same class. So I knew you through like just, you know. Joe's brother or, or through Bobby's brother hanging right, with Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, just seeing you with this TV, with this TV camera. So you're kind of just like, wow, he does like with this wild stuff. This is funny. Like what kind of kid, but prior to that, and that was your breakout. How did you see yourself? You know, we're always kind of in these stereotypes when we're younger, were you, 
yeah. were you were you like the weird kid to to the students at Wissahickon? <laughs> were you just were you bullied? Were you just quiet and people left you alone? So um so 10th, 11th, I would definitely say quiet. I think um Stilo show and, and and mayor stuff aside, uh, I, I I'm probably a little more introverted and um, and shy, like as as a default setting. Um, and I see it because my wife is so extroverted, <laughs> so so I see what that mindset is, and that's not me. Um, so so quieter, um, you know. Uh, I think um, having success and having people like like having a show that that was on TV, uh, you know. Like, like gives you confidence and makes you think, wow, like I'm doing something people enjoy. Um, uh, that That's super interesting. Um, maybe I should keep doing this. Um, but I would say much, much quieter the first two years. And then um, come senior year, when all that, all that started happening, like, like one of the interesting things is behind the scenes, there, there was so much drama. <laughs> so like, um, like I, I stripped on a, a table for one of our segments. And that's uh, the one I remember is you walking into the cafeteria yeah. and maybe it was Joe or something had a boom box and <laughs> yeah, you, right. you started stripping down in the cafeteria yeah. and this yeah. one was like, I don't, this isn't exactly it, but I got to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I paid a price for that. <laughs> and, uh, we, we did, uh, actually more controversial than that. We did a piece uh, something to do with like teen pregnancy. And we were in the cafeteria interviewing people about, about pregnancy and we, we cut it together for, for a Stilo show and it airs. And I walk in one day and everyone's angry. All the, all the teachers are angry. Um, the school board had to vote the show off <laughs> because they didn't like the segment. So um, yeah, yeah all that's going on. Yes. Well, that, that <laughs> part was canceled. Yes. And then all these new protocols were in place. We had to like submit the show for review by the principals. Oh. It was the whole thing. So, so even though it looked and it was very, very cool and very free, um, there was a lot of drama behind the scenes that Joe and I were, were working. In fact, they separated me and Joe spring semester. So you couldn't work together. So we couldn't work together because they wanted to kind of tamp things down. Um, so, so I ended up getting like, like a few other people involved, but, um, but yeah, there were, there was a lot of like headwinds to, to get all that done. Where did, where did Stilo come from? Where does that name come from? It's, it's a good question. Um, there was um, in our neighborhood, like someone there, like, I'm still friends with uh, Ryan Caldwell and his sister, Tony Caldwell. Um, they they just like just became like a nickname, however it came about, um, and and it stuck all the way through to Conshohocken, and um, there's this dividing line, because when I decided to run for mayor, my um, my campaign manager said, um, actually got all our friends together and said, listen, there's no more Stilo, like it has to be Yaniv Aronson because Stilo is not going to be on the ballot. You're not helping him at all. So from now on, it has to be Yaniv Aronson. So you can see a dividing line in a regular conversation because some people will call me Stilo and some people will call me Yaniv. And that's kind of, you know, when we met or didn't meet based mm. on um, how they use that nickname. But yeah, it just kind of came about and then stuck and then somehow worked its way into a TV show title and, and it's still kind of floating around today. That's funny. When I, you know, going to Monco, I developed the red shirt play a character, right? I, oh, I, interesting. I, I wore red shirts and and I did these these sketches and they aired at the closed caption uh, channel all around Monco for the buzz. Okay. And yep. I came back um, uh, second, second year 
and everyone was calling me red shirt red shirt player rsp wow. risk yeah. uh shirt player i change I, I start living the gimmick right i change yep. my license plate to say rs wow. player it works out great right everyone loves that <laughs> i've changed it back since wow. but yeah there's a real you know now I'm, I'm grown i'm i'm, I'm almost 40 um and i do professional things and there have even been times like i had a conversation with kim clotter who you know yeah. is working in, in local politics now and, and we were talking about that and, um and she's like you know if you ever have an interest you know there's people you could talk to and my eyes just kind of like in my head i just like rolling my eyes and i'm thinking like <laughs> oh my god the red shirt player stories that start coming out um yes yes for you you know like you know me even like asking you about this you know to ask you to talk about being stilo and stuff i was a little worried that like i didn't want to drag you into anything you know yeah how, what's that difference you know I, I don't know how do you i guess when you're running is there fear of kind of talking about you know doing 17 year old stuff and stripping in the in the cafeteria <laughs> is there fear of like it coming out it's out now but <laughs> you know yeah um, it's so it, it was interesting. I, I wasn't, um, as worried about the Stilo thing. Um, what ended up being a campaign thing was my work in the, um, ghost hunting shows specifically, because that was being actually spread around as I'm like a ghost chaser and like, like, do you want a mare that is looking for ghosts and things like that? Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it ended up being a real problem because, um, uh, like obviously now uh, I'm the incumbent and I, like I just won re-election. None of that seems to matter at this point. Um, Congratulations. But, uh, thanks. Um, but like I had to, um, I had to scrub everything off YouTube. Like I had to um, like all the Stilo show stuff you can't find anymore. All my ghost mm. hunting work you can't find anymore. Like if I want to show my students some of the work I've done, I have to go th jump through all these hoops and log into YouTube and find my private, like it's this whole thing. So mm. Um, so it became a pain in the butt. Um, it, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's a small town. So it, it ended up being more an issue of um, I, I was running against a lifetime resident who was a four term incumbent. Um, and me being uh, from Bluebell became an issue because uh, that's not from it depends who you talk to. Some people are like, oh, yeah, you're from here. Some people sure. are like, oh, no, that's Bluebell. Um, so so that was the thing I. I I was a renter, God forbid, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, unmarried at the time. My, my wife was my girlfriend during my first run. So it, so it kind of hinged on some, those kinds of things. Um, and, and luckily, um, I just worked my buns off and, and just like him, just, just door knocked and talked to people and, and had a really good vision for community and doing things. All the things you see on my social media are what I campaigned on. Like, I just want to be out there every day doing yeah. stuff and, and talking to people. So, um, so that luckily that went over, um, all the other stuff. Did you, uh, did you date in, in high school? I, I went on one date. <laughs> Um, I took uh, Sarah Miller, Paige's sister. Yeah. Um, we went to um, Final Destination 1. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and um, she was so scared, she actually left the theater three times during the film. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this isn't going well. Um, but yeah, that was it. I, I went on one date and... I can't think of any others. That was like my first date. Um, and I didn't get my first girlfriend until um, probably four years later until I was a senior at Penn State. Um, I was actually 
uh, running a campaign for a guy uh, in the film program that was running for uh, class president. And um, um, just one of his friend group, uh, me and her started clicking and she became my first actual girlfriend. But that wasn't until I was 21. So was, that was like my first girl. Yeah. Was your friend group uh, dating in high school? Were you like, were, yes, were you like left out of that like type of equation? Was it a very friendly, hey, all welcome? I know high school yeah. dating can be very different slash not real dating at times. And it can just be <laughs> yes. more like we're all just group friends. But, yes. you know, for me, I had like a few friends that had that were dating. And I always kind of was like, oh, how do I get in there? But I was never in that world. Yeah, I, I was the same. I guess I was just never there. Um and even Joe, like as close as Joe and I were, um, especially then, um, like he was always dating someone and that, that, that never seemed to, to bother anything. Um, but yeah, our friends, like, it's funny, they've all kind of dated each other. Some of them married each other, you know, uh, yeah. but no, I never, I guess I never felt, um, you know, left out or, or that, that I can remember in any way feeling, feeling that way. But, but it, it definitely wasn't until later, um, that like really coming back from Los Angeles, like like later in the 2000s when I really started to actually actively date and yeah. feel like I was in relationships. Uh, I always feel, I, whenever I feel like I have more control of myself is when I feel like relation, I'm better with relationships or oh, yeah. a better idea yeah. of who I am. So yeah. I think back then I just had so little idea. I always say, you know, you didn't you didn't come to our you weren't in our middle school, but our middle school was so much more mature than than I I think I was ready for and okay. a lot of students have talked about just, you know, the sex and the party life was just a lot um, more was yeah. just very present and more than some of us were ready for or um, even in comparison now than they can imagine kids, you know, doing. Yeah, I, uh, I remember the um, uh, especially senior year. I remember being a, a little surprised, like once I started getting invited to more stuff, like the drinking was like much more intense than what I was expecting or, or, or thought I knew about. Um, I didn't, I didn't see like drugs. I saw some, some weed and things like that, but I remember the drinking in particular was, was pretty shocking to see, um, to see like my friends, like, like that drunk at, mm -hmm. on a regular basis. It was pretty, um, pretty shocking uh, in certain situations. You mentioned the difference of, you know, knowing that you're people knowing that you're doing this show and people like this show. Did you, and when you mentioned like your senior year and going to parties, did you notice your stature change? I mean, you were, you're a, a quieter person, but again, people are now, are, are people like actively reaching out to, hey, come to this party. Hey, we want Stilo at this party. Is that happening yeah. to you at that time? Yeah. I mean, a huge difference between um, 10th, 11th grade and senior year, like, like, uh, even senior week, like I was like, what house do I do? Like, mm. like, like take your pick kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was just, um, it, it was just different. Like, I, I guess I didn't think about it necessarily. I was happy to be invited and, and to do something, I guess. Um, but, um, you know, there, there was still stuff. Um, there's still stuff going on 10th, 11th grade, but, but yes, ex exactly that. I think um, there, there was more going on, but I was also out there more. Um, like, um, we had a crew like Joe, Katie Fritchman, John Reardon, um, Ryan Conway, um, Pete Schumer were all working at, um, Valley Forge Brewing Company, which is now PJ Willihans. Mm. Um, so I started working there because Joe was working there and, and that became like another way to talk to people, meet yeah. friends and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so, so maybe a little bit, uh, from Steelo stuff and, and more just, just being out there and like knowing more people and, and being on the teams and getting mm. a bigger friend group, 
um, I think that all can kind of contributed to a much busier senior year. You mentioned Valley Force. Did you have a job prior to that? Were you working through through school? I don't think so. I think it was just senior year. Um, but but the best job I ever had was being a host. Like I just I loved being a host. Like answering the phones, chatting with people, and I, I had the the blonde tips, like the whole <laughs> deal. You know. Um, like scratching off the tables, whatever it was. I just yeah. loved it. I remember loving it. Um, and then um, uh, I remember the boss one day, I would answer the phone, still remember it to this day. Valley Forge Brewing Company, Bluebell, this is Stilo. How can I help you? Um, and, and the owner was on the phone and he wanted to talk to a manager. And then the manager came up to me and was like, um, yeah, you got to use your real name. He was like, who's the Stilo guy? I was like, okay. <laughs> And then, um, and then uh, Fridays after that, and uh, at the Montgomery Mall. Oh yeah, classic. Um, so I was like, from from uh, office space, I was that guy, like all the flair, yeah, all the buttons. Um, but I still, to this day, hosting was like my favorite job ever. I just loved it. Oh, that's funny. Talking yeah. to people and and getting out. Yeah, there. just just kind of schmoozing them, making sure that the forty minute wait was you know not a big yeah. deal, that kind of thing. Yeah. Did you uh, did you have a favorite teacher? Mm. Um, so, um, so Ms. Rogowski was our, uh, TV lab teacher, mm. my senior year. Um, and, and that was a cool story. We actually, I don't even remember who the teacher was supposed to be, but she went on maternity leave and never came back. Oh. Um, Ms. Rogowski was from QVC and that's why I was able to get away with as much as I got away with. Um, so, so a twist of fate, um, Ms. Patterson for English, um, just, just amazing, amazing, amazing woman um gone way too soon um mm. she was just awesome um and then i think favorite of all favorites uh mr curcio for english senior year um just a really fun class um like he he treated us like seniors like he had fun with us um and it, it was kind of like a little more free a little more off the cuff a lot more creative like like we started the day with um journal entries that we would all write and wanted mm. to share like that's how you started the day. So it really set a tone of like, this is going to be a really fun class. So, um, and then, um, Senorita Satinsky for Spanish, like, like she was just awesome and, and understanding of all the craziness that kind of coming along from, with. Yeah. Coming from the Midwest, did you have to take any, any foreign language through middle school and, and, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, was it ninth grade? Was that high school and out there in, in Missouri for you or was yes. that still middle school? That was, um, I, so yeah, so, so it was definitely, um, middle school. I think I took Spanish. I've always taken Spanish. So Spanish, okay. Spanish there, Spanish here, Spanish at Penn state, um, ended up actually working out very well for the move to, to Los Angeles. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Spanish just, just, just always clicked, always made sense. I love, I loved Ricky Martin and, you know, back in our day. So, <laughs> yes, yes. um, I can still do Copa de Vida in Spanglish. Perfect Spanglish. Absolutely. hundred percent. People always, you know, the Spanish class and I guess all foreign language classes, I, I know a little bit for like Japanese, we have this, but that's where we would always, I would always get like the pop culture of stuff that I wasn't intaking myself. So that's like where I would, Spanish classes where I would see Toy Story and The Lion King and, you know, yeah. all these, yeah, and we listen to Ricky Martin, the Spanish versions over and yep. over and over again. And it always yep. happened in, in Spanish class for me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember we had a teacher, this was in St. Louis, I think it was in eighth grade who really was into the pop culture so mm -hmm. he would play all this like i like he's like oh you don't know azucar moreno they're the best and he would play like whatever whatever songs and then like 
I, I would hear about them or see them years later, and I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> you feel so validated. Insane. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was pretty fun. Um, least favorite class? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I maybe I blank it out. I don't know. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything. Like nothing stood out at me or scarred me that I'm like, man, I just hated that class. Yeah. Um, I remember. Um, I can tell you like worst moments. Um, you know, um, senior year. Um, I asked. Um. Uh, a girl to the um, to the prom mm-hmm. and um, dead set on it, thought it was a sure thing. Oh. And she said she said no. She Well, she had already accepted someone's, um, you know, request. And that was like the first heartache ever. And I don't remember what class I was going to. I know Joe was in there with me. And I was just like sitting there, like just in a daze. And he's like, dude, what's going on? I told him the situation. He's like, oh. And that was like the first heartache, the first like thing. And that was like the most, uh, you know, heart wrenching moment of my uh, existence at that point. Isn't that funny how like, like things like that would just take over our entire, our entire oh, world for, yes. did you have like a favorite, I mean, you were doing media. So did you have like a favorite TV show back then? Ooh, I mean, um, definitely like. I think we all watched like Seinfeld and we all watched that Thursday block on NBC. Like, every, like friends was on there and ER was huge. Um, was that mad about you? Matt, uh, what else was on there? Um, Must see TV. Will and Grace was on there at some point. Frasier. Frasier was on there. Um, so we really, we grew up in like this, um, this really phenomenal time of, of some pretty, pretty creative and brave TV. At least for um, network. And, yeah. For network, for sure. Yeah. And this was, you know, there, there wasn't a Sopranos yet. Like that shift hadn't happened. Um, um, I think like, like X-Files, um, it was definitely imprinted on yeah. a lot of what I did. And like, w- once I did shift over to filmmaking, um, I've always had this passion for horror, for horror movies. So, um, so I wrote horror movies. I loved watching horror movies. Uh, I shot horror movies. My mom always jokes about there was a weekend where they were going away and and she saw like tubs of fake blood and axes all around the house because that's what we were going to shoot. Um, and um, even at Monco, I taught um, I taught a horror movie class specifically, um, which oh, wow. was awesome. So um, so it's still a passion, it's still something I love. I love watching and talking about and writing about. Do you have a favorite horror movie? That's such a hard question. Um, I, I I have a bunch. I would say if if um, if someone asked me my absolute favorite, there's a um, a, a Belgian horror movie called Spore Loose. Um, oh, you're deep in it. Yes, um, and it was remade in America called The Vanishing with okay. Kiefer Sutherland. Um, but the whole point of the film is the ending, right? It's kind of mm. like Sixth Sense style. Um, the ending is everything, and then the whole movie plays off of that. And the, so the original ending, you watch it, right? And there's like a before in your life and an after in your life. Like that's how intense it is, right? Like you are changed as a human being after you watch it. It's that disturbing. Not a drop of blood. Okay. Like, like nothing gruesome at all. It's all psychological. It's all really intense. Um, And then the American version changes the ending. Uh. Mind blowing, mind blowing. Um, but yeah, that, that is, um, it, it's just like, just this extraordinary, unbelievable movie that, that, that will rip your soul out. Um, uh, but yeah. 
Uh, I went through a, a time definitely like my probably like my senior year, maybe a little bit before. I remember I loved renting horror movies. I didn't have a lot of experience with horror movies, but I was I was really into a fad of like those 80s horror movies, starting yeah, with yeah. like I think it was actually I think my buddy, um, I think Scott Ritter had told me like, oh, man, you got to watch Halloween and Halloween too, like back to back. And yep. and I remember renting those. And I was like, wow, like I really I have a thing for vintage. Like I just love vintage yeah. stuff, film, music, whatever. Um, and then I started going after like uh, prom night and yes, uh, high yes. school massacre and yeah. and Carrie and 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 just these you know everything that like our teen horror movie genre you know, phase I guess of the screams that we're all based off of. Um, but then going to film school, it's funny. Everyone does does try to do horror. Um, yeah. In, in film school, yeah. I think because I think the budget wise right like the lighting all that stuff yeah. doesn't have to be yeah. perfect location yep. can be kind of minimal um but that's where i started getting exposed to so much foreign film and, and italian and french horror and um it, i don't watch a lot of foreign films now but it's funny back then that's like all i watched was was foreign films and yeah. and especially horror and japanese horror is yes oh my favorite oh uh, and yeah we grew up with j horror coming in yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah. and um uh, but it, it ruins it, me because yes, everything that comes out now yes. is a remake of something it I is, saw I know. In, as a Japanese original um, yep. that you just go like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this be, this plot before. When did this come out? Oh, like last year? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. You did. But um, in Japanese, always gorier. Always gorier. Um, always way intense. I remember um, my first first exposure was was the first ring and um like that twist that the the ghost was going to win in the end was like what mm -hmm. <laughs> like like just blew your mind um and and that's what actually led to the horror movie class at monco um we um uh, the more i traveled and the more i saw different things especially going to australia um the the more i realized that every country every culture has this different sensibility in what they focus on for horror movies so um so japan so so in america right it's this justice, right? The ghost mm. is looking for an answer for justice. Sixth Sense is the perfect example of that. Um, the ring, right? In J Japan, if you see ghosts in Japan, it's there to kill you. That, mm. That's why you're seeing the ghost, right? It is a vengeful spirit. Um, Australia, it's all about nature and the outback. That, that is the scary thing. So uh, everyone's clustered on the coasts and, and they're all surfers and they go to the beach. And the only people that go into the uh, center of into the outback are, are tourists. Um, so all the <laughs> horror movies are like Wolf Creek uh, about crazy people in the outback or about monsters or alligators or, or whatever from the outback specifically. Um, and it goes, you know, culture to culture to culture after that. Um, so it became a fascinating class to teach. I really had such a fun time with it. Where did you uh, at what point did you decide that like teaching was going to be I mean, not not really having anything stand out as far as like a class that you were, you know, dynamite in. And, and again, you know, the two things that you could imagine you were going to go into politics and yeah. teaching. Um, at what point do you start saying like, oh, you know, I think I want to go back into a school setting. Um, so, so that, that class at Monco gave me the bug and it's a teacher thing to say that like you have a bug for teaching mm. um you get it you get you get like the the adrenaline of it um pete and, baker and, said the same thing teaching bug yep yep uh and, and i felt it after that first class um and then going to be you um as a grad student the the big thing was to be a ta and to teach classes um and, and again 
just reinforced how much I loved it and, and how much I, I, I saw myself doing it. So um, I actually went to my uh, the head of my department, who's this very stern, very, very intelligent uh, German man, <laughs> very tall, very imposing. Um, and um, I, I said, hey, listen, I, I, I'm positive I'm not going to be a film scholar. Um, I, can I be released from the dissertation um, and, and just graduate on credits? And, and I really want to go into the school of ed um, and, and take education credits to close out my, my last semester. Oh, wow. And he agreed to it. So um, I ended up my, my last semester, I, I TA'd a bunch of classes. I think I took a couple of closing film classes, but the majority of my classes were in the School of Ed, just, just knocking away grad credits. Oh, wow. Um, and, and that started the process. And Matt, so PA is, is insanely hard to, to teach. I have a whole bunch of certs. I've been through it. It's insane. I'm still, I've been at Temple for 10 years on, on my um, career tech ed cert, which is what you need for film and video. Um, and I'm still there oh. just to show how insane <laughs> PA is. But like, I could have stayed in Boston and paid a hundred dollars and um, essentially the, the principal gets to make the call and if you're qualified and if they want you and that, that's kind of it. Um, mm. And here you have to go through a program and all the certification, the whole, the whole deal. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, I just, I was already there. I was already taking classes. In fact, when I interviewed, I ended up at Northeast high school in Northeast Philly. Um, and the principal said, well, you know, um, you're, you're already at St. Joe's getting your um, English cert. Um, so um, that tells me you actually care about the art and, the, and mm. the, the profession of teaching. And that's one of the things that, that pushed me into the job. So, um, and then I loved it. I loved being there. And when I interviewed at Monco to be full-time a few years ago, the Dean asked like, like, why do you want to leave your job and come here? And I said, I don't like, I love teaching. I love, I have my TV lab. Like all my students are, are, are really into it. I just really want to be at Monco. Like I've been here for 10 years, I, adjuncting. I really want to be here full time. Um, so, so that was a great answer to give obviously. Um, but, um, but yeah, just, just really, um, re really um, it, it just clicked. It, it kind of, you get to be like, you know, the, the focus for those 45 minutes or whatever. Mm. Um, so, so it feeds that. Um, and then uh, what's really cool about Monco specifically is um, because I, I did track and, and sports. And because I uh, taught film at a high school and competed against all these other schools, I know all the feeder schools going into Monco. So when a student tells me they're from Methacton, they're from North Penn, they're from Springfield, they're from Colonial, Wissing, whatever. Um, I, I know the school. I, I may know the film faculty I, or I've run track on campus there. Mm. Um, I have a good sense of where they're coming from. Um, and it's really cool that I can say, you know, I'm from Bluebell and I graduated with Wissing. Um, it, it just feels really good to be able to say that when I'm talking to people on campus. So, um, so it, it, all that worked out really, really well. Um, and I'm, I'm happy about that. What was your, I mean, you said you always knew you were going to go to Penn state. What was, what was that process like for you? Do you have, uh, any brothers or sisters or. Yeah. And so I, I honestly, I don't remember the process. I just know I only applied to Penn state and I got into Penn state and I went to Penn state. I, I like, I don't remember any conversation otherwise, um, and, and my parents weren't from the area, so it wasn't like we had this Penn State lineage and I had okay, to do it yeah. on that end. Did um, older brothers or sisters or younger? I have two, two younger. Okay. Um, An interesting uh, fun fact, because my family loves to move. Um, my um, junior into senior year, um, we moved from Narcissa Road um, to Skipback, right off Skipback mm -hmm. Pike in Skipback Village. 
And um, I got a waiver from Wissahickon to let me continue my senior year as long as I could get to, to, to campus because um, they couldn't obviously do bus service. So, mm. so I had a car. That was an issue. But my family, I would actually commute from Skipback to Wissahickon uh, every morning and every night. So, wow. um, so that became intense. But they went to Perk Valley. Um, wow. And then I think they both went to Penn State, too. I don't, I don't know. So you were the you were the first to do the college thing I, in your in I your was, family yeah, then in yeah. that in your generation. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone goes to not everyone, but a lot of people go to Penn yes. State. So I'm assuming yes. like it's like you just that's where people are going. So you're like whatever. Yeah. I, I only applied to Temple. It was the only place I I applied. Um, you know, there wasn't like much of a process for me either. It was just like, well, I I know I, Temple. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't. I I and um, so I so so BU was the only time I had like a big decision. Like I got to choose between a few schools that I got into um, and, and BU just kind of fit with what I wanted to do. And, and they actually had um, a, a very specific focus on, on being a TA, which, which I, I knew I wanted to do. Um, I, I went to um, like the day BU ended, um, St. Joe's began. Uh, I took an online um, accreditation uh, program there. So, so to get my English teaching certs. Um, so, so I did that. And then literally that ends, uh, I go to Immaculata and I go for my doctorate. Cause I, I'm like, man, I, I really would like to, um, be an administrator one day. I have to get a doctorate. Oh, and then, wow. um, meanwhile, I'm still taking these classes at temple to keep my certs up. So I'm still at temple. I'm still taking classes at temple. I wow. two masters and a doctorate. I'm still trying to get through classes. So you got a, like a PhD. I got a EDD. An EDD? Yep. Jeez, that's a lot of school. That's a lot of school. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you like really got your stuff together here, man. You like really, it's incredible. And, and all the degrees are in a, a, a Tupperware bin somewhere in my parents' basement. Like I, like there's, there's no degrees on the wall anywhere. Um, you know, what are you going to do? If you could go back to, to yourself when you were, when you were Stilo and, and now that you've got like, I mean, I mean obviously I think it definitely prepared you, right? Like, like doing television and, and putting your personality out there. Um, it prepared you to be this, even though you're an introvert, you know, to be this outward person for Concha Hawken and, and in classes. But if you could have told yourself something, then is there something you feel like you would have helped you along the way of like that 12 year period to where things really shifted for you? I, you know, I think about that, right? Um, and, and like things ended or, or, or wherever I am now, I guess ended, but um, a good place, right? You know, yeah. um, um, I'm a mayor. I'm back in this area that I love. Um, um, uh, obviously teaching at Monco Film, a program you've been in um, is awesome. Great faculty, great students, great facilities. Shout out um, to Matt Porter. Matt Porter's still there. Um, um, yeah, it gives me a hard time about being mayor every day. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I, I don't know, like, like it, it's so cheating. Like, like, should I invest in Apple? Yes. Uh, should I invest in this thing called Tesla? Yes. You know, things like that. Um, I don't know. Like, and a part of me also says, um, what if I had stayed in LA? Like, what if I had just given it another two years? Um, what would that have led to? Like, I, I do see some of my, um, Penn state friends, like one's a, a big exec at Sony, 
Um, mm. uh, and other ones like a, a working stand-up comedian and, and travel show hosts, like, um, and, and they're all Penn State guys. Like, um, you know, there's 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 a part of me that still thinks about that, and you know, it's it's a uh, it's an alluring lifestyle. Um, but I also know there there was good reasons to leave. You know, um, I don't I don't know. And, and then like it it takes you down this rabbit hole because like you know, being in the exact position I was in, I got to meet my wife, Sarah, and she's like a thousand times, whatever I am, like the extrovert. She, she, mm. she is like the first lady extraordinaire. She, she loves the role. She's everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I probably would not have won if her face wasn't all over my campaign materials. Right. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah, like there's stuff I would say, but, um, but it always makes you crazy because like, what if you don't end up the same way? You know, it's just, it's a weird rabbit hole to go down. You said it kind of quick as far as like switching your, your, your uh, path at BU for your final semester. But was that a hard decision coming up to that, to reaching that point to say, you know what, I, I, I'm yeah. not going to be this, this filmmaker. Uh, I, I have this other passion and I'm going to make that switch now. That's, you know, when you leave there, that's it. It's what you, that's what you did. Yeah. You didn't do your dissertation. So was there, how hard was that decision? So I, I think um, actually by then it was made. So I, I was going to be um, a, a teacher, right? Um, it, it was kind of a decision of like, do I want to be like um, the scholar, like academic film teacher, like like film 101? Um, or, or, or is it okay to go into secondary and, and kind of teach a little more hands-on? And, and that was kind of more that decision. The, the decision you're talking about was like... Um, like getting me into BU, like deciding that things were not going to work out. Um, and I had to go back to school to, to teach. Um, when, when I came back, I was teaching nights at, um, at Monco. Um, I was teaching uh, days. I was working in a, um, uh, like a medical device facility, like, like making parts and things. Oh, wow. Um, and on the side, I was shooting, I was shooting, um, pilot TV shows of all different kinds, like crazy stuff, like travel shows, um, taking my friends from, from Penn state and going all over the country, doing travel stuff. Oh, wow. Um, I did a, a cooking show with a, a really amazing woman in Phoenixville. Um, I, and, and most importantly, and probably most interestingly, um, ghost hunting shows. Um, so I was taking, um, a lot of my contacts in LA and trying to mixing them with, with a lot of the talent that, that is here. Um, the um are you from, uh, like the conjuring movies like have yeah. you watched those yeah yeah so um so ed and lorraine warren uh are like the big names right their nephew who attended all those cases so that he was on amityville he was on hunting connecticut like all those cases uh. that they did um lives in connecticut i got hooked in with him he became like the guy i was trying to market as um as like the next reality tv star um so we did all these videos together we were trying to hook into this new thing called youtube yeah. <laughs> like um get all those shows out there Th those are actually the videos i've had to try and scrub because like my name's all over them right um and um it, it was an awesome time we, we would cut cut these shows together i would fly out to la and i would like pitch them to different places or i would go up to up to New York and, and try and pitch like a travel show or whatever it was. Um, and I did that for a few years and like nothing was clicking, like nothing was selling, nothing was, was moving. Um, and eventually it was just like, it's, it's, I gotta move on. Like, I just, I have to, 
I have to do something. Yeah. So um, that that was kind of when I started to go to BU, and and that's like when that transition happened before before I hit BU, um, and decided that that teaching was going to be it. That's so interesting because it's just like it's not like you didn't um, not like you didn't try it all the way, right? I mean, you came yeah, out from LA, yeah. but still, like that's a lot of work and and a lot of you know. Um, yeah a lot of doing it oh you did it all the way you know you're shooting stuff and you're shooting pilots and 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 pitching and all that you know i would think the the cycle would just be keep going keep going keep going very rarely do you hear people saying you know what i got i got this other thing that i can do that's a different route and i want to take it um it it, there was i remember just like thinking one day like it's not gonna happen it's just not like it's not gonna work yeah Um, and that was it and and you know um interestingly enough he um he ended up selling a show a couple years later um to maybe it was the sci-fi or something um and he had a couple seasons of a show called the haunted collector um, okay and and um so he took over that museum that they have in the house he oh, took wow. it over um so i've been to that museum many times i've shot it many times so when i see the movie i'm just like it's kind of mind-blowing to see that it became such a big thing oh that's funny yeah um what about music always like to to talk about the music of the high school era (laughs) what were you favorite favorite artists or bands or or albums from that time boy bands all in all in um insane backstreet Backstreet, um five was all right a little too hip-hoppy for me okay Um, i was sugary sweet still am still am to a large extent yeah Uh, i was all about when the lights go out that was my that that was good yeah yeah like we had we had we we had a really poppy um time to grow up in but um yeah like like justin timberlake uh still still rocking out to um uh all, all the latin stuff that was coming out was was big for me so ricky martin mark anthony um enrique like all that was huge yeah. um all, all the girls right Brittany, mandy yeah um, jessica simpson christina yep. yep so i'm i'm i've always been and, and my wissick and friends still make fun of me about how like just just like the poppiest of the pop music was was always my jam yeah so it was like that. like trl after school every day just watching yeah yeah that was Carson yeah, and that was the thing did you have a one was there was there usually people i mean usually like i like backstreet and nsync but usually people are like one or the other were you were you one of the was like this is the king so so in my world it was ricky martin yeah but let's let's be straight it was always ricky martin to some extent it still is ricky martin um i i i was probably backstreet back in like the day as as i moved on and got older and more mature um switched to nsync especially as justin you know kept coming out with stuff sure um and then in my my older years um i i recognize now how um mind-blowing 98 degrees was um, and the talents of Nick Lachey. I, I have his solo album, and I know a lot of the words to it. Um, but you know, if one of them, if any of them come on, I'm, I'm a happy camper for sure. Um, so you're in Conchahawk, obviously. You're in Conchahawk, and um, can you tell me just a little bit about, like, you know, yes. what it's like being? Give me the pitch a little bit of, of what it's like, <laughs> you know, being in the area um, and and being the mayor of Conchahawk. It's um, it's a trip, man. It, it's um. So, um, uh, the, the, the secret really is, um, when I was in charge of the Rotary Club here, um, we, we put on this, this beer festival and, um, every year we would invite 
the local council people and the local dignitaries and the mayor um, to, to come hang out. We give them tickets, right? Mm. And the mayor would never acknowledge, respond to the email. And I remember when um, someone approached me about a run for office and I was like, you know, I, I emailed the mayor like three years in a row and I've never gotten so much as a no thank you. I can answer an email, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, let alone go to the thing and advertise it and, and be a, an active participant. Um, so, so that, you know, when people ask me like what got me into it and not to trash on anyone, um, it, traditionally the mayor is that person. It's that person that's been in town all their lives and it's kind of like the celebratory role. Um, there's not a lot of actual responsibility to it. Um, the, the best way it's been described to me is the queen of England. Okay. So whatever. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, a yeah. good, it's still a good spot for me. Um, but, uh, I, I, I just saw like deficiencies that, um, like, like we are the digital era. We, we you know, like obviously now we're kind of behind, but, um, you know, we, uh, I, I knew Facebook, I knew Insta, uh, I knew that I could connect with people and be much more, um, open and accessible, um, so I just got this vision. I just got this vision of like being the face of the town, um, having, having Sarah there, even though she was just a girlfriend at the time. Um, but like having this young couple be the face of this young Contra Hawken that that's up and coming, mm. um, young, um, open, um, trying to, um, give some diversity to, to, to elected office, um, give um, the young people in town, which, which are a majority actually of the population, um, like a voice, um, even though I'm, I'm a terrible renter, uh, you know, um, but if, if the majorities are renters, they, they should have a voice too, you know, um, and mayor seemed like a good spot for that. So I'm not going to be legislating. I'm not going to be setting tax rates. Um, I'm just here to, to be an extra voice to talk to council um, and to, to bring in administration where necessary. So um, so, so just give me like a landscape of like what the vision was. Um, and then, uh, I, I just had to like tell everyone what I wanted to do. Like that yeah. is like the secret. Uh, how did I do that? And I'm sure Kim said the same thing. I door knocked, I, I door knocked my ass off. I door knocked every day after work. I door knocked every weekend for mm. nine months, um, to the point where everyone knew me. I knew them. If you weren't home, I went back four, five, six, seven times. Um, I left paperwork. I left my vision of um, having social media pages, having a website, which, which seems insane in retrospect that I even needed to say that, but that's where we were starting from. Mm -hmm. um, having in-person office hours, um, having a, a focus on, on dogs, because that was a big thing that millennials were bringing into town that we didn't have infrastructure for. Um, and, and just having this, this razor clear image of what I was going to do as mayor and as, as nasty as the race got, and it got really nasty because, um, I, I was breaking up something that had existed for decades. Um, and I was an outsider. Um, and I, I just, we never, I, even to this day, we don't respond to it. I don't look at it. Mm -hmm. I, I just, here's the message. Here's what's going on. Here's what we're doing. Um, and, um, we won and that was cool. Um, and um, the first year was was hard. Like it was winning. It wasn't a huge victory. It was enough to where I really had to work hard to get 
people behind me um, because um, I, 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 you can't really be mayor with like 51%, right? right. You, you need everyone behind you and, and believing in, in what I'm saying and wanting to do. Um, so that first year was just going everywhere, talking to everyone, having conversations, um, and then um, figuring it out. Like there's no handbook. There's no, the law is very vague on what a mayor does. Uh, there's a lot of what I can't do. There's not a lot of what I can do. <laughs> yeah. um, we're working with council. So council in a small town has a majority of the power. And the way it works is in a small town, um, it's all council. And as the town gets bigger, council gets less powerful and the mayor gets more powerful. So that's why you have like Philly, mm -hmm. the very powerful mayor um, and council is like a little less, less, less centralized. Um, here it's different. Here it councils everything. Um, I don't even get a vote uh, on legislation. I can veto um, if it's an ordinance, um, but they only need five out of uh, seven votes to override. And um I can break a tie, but it's a council of seven. So I've never had to do it. Mm. So, um, so it's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a weird position. And um, the year I won a lot of millennials all over the County um, did the same thing I did. So we had young um, diverse mayors come into um, let's see Bridgeport got their first black mayor. Um, Royersford got their first uh, female, first Asian mayor. Um what else? All of all of the county. Um, Phoenixville got um, their first openly gay, um, first Filipino mayor. Like just this amazing transition happened. Uh, this this millennial mayor thing was like a, a big deal in 2017. So, mm. so I've had people to talk to, and we've been able to like share what's going on and, yeah. and you know what we're dealing with. Um, so that first year was really hard, just just really trying to win people over. Um, but it slowly happened. Like like I I we are out there all the time. We do events all the time. Sarah um, uh, has made the first lady thing her own. So she's brought mental health as her big platform. So she That's does cool. um, mental health trainings and suicide awareness trainings. And uh, she's doing a women's self-defense later this month, like all, all these kinds of cool things. Um, I do an arts festival, bringing in some of the, the film um, and artistry that, that mean a lot to me, uh, first Saturday in every June. Um, and and it just felt like the tide turned after a while and and people were really behind me and believing in what we were doing and appreciative of what we were doing mm. um to the point where last year was was re-election and um people were like coming up to me like like oh you got this don't don't even why, why are you even out here but but still was out there every day still campaigning my buns off um and and one by a ton, like just like if it, if those weren't the numbers, I would have been disappointed because um, I would have read everything wrong, essentially. Mm. So so for as hard as I worked and for everything, um, I felt like I got I got done the last four years. I was hoping for those kinds of numbers, and and we were able to get that. So so it was like just like a a confidence boost that hey, the things I'm doing are, are what people want and they want to see more of it. So um, so so it's been cool. It's just like the spotlight's always on, like. I got a text. I, I was going to stay at school. We were doing the five day at, at Monco yesterday and Cap G was, was pulling like um, all these different things I wanted to be around for. And I got a text from our, our state rep and she said, we're having dinner at Southern Cross. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all the reps in the tourism committee and in, in the PA house. Mm -hmm. Can you, um, can you come on? Like, so I had to run home, change, run down there in the rain and, and kind of just, just hang out with, with all these reps, which, which is part of the gig. So it's yeah. just being flexible and, um, and, and, and 
trying to see, but you know, being there means I get FaceTime. So, um, Hey, you know, um, we're still waiting on these, these flashing crossing lights across the street for, for pedestrian safety. Have you heard anything new? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, being in the, being in the room means a lot. Being in the position means I can have those conversations. I can't make it happen, but I can bother people to make it happen, which (laughs) is really cool. Um, uh, you know, and, and like tomorrow, I I have nine events on the calendar. Like it's wow. it's really like uh, you know first day of baseball. There's a craft fair. There's a cleanup in white in uh, White Marsh. Like it's just like you know. Are you driving yourself to these events, or is it like in TV where like where your <laughs> your advisor is driving you in an SUV and then you hop out the out the the back seat of the car and he goes, all right, you got 15 minutes. I have a, a little um, dented Civic um, that got hit by one of my um, students in the parking lot at school. Um, and I drive myself to my events in my dented Civic. And that, that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Nice. It, it, yeah. It, so it's it's a part-time gig. It is, um, I think, uh, by law, they have to pay me something. So it's like $250 a month is what it comes out to. Nice. Um, so yeah, you're not doing it for the money. It's essentially voluntary, um, which is cool. It's a cool vibe, a cool spirit. Um, it, it kind of makes you, um, appreciate Like, like one of the things that, um, I told people about campaigning the first time was like, it revitalized democracy for me. Like it's a small mm-hmm. town, like money is not really a thing because no one's going to come out to vote for you when there's nothing on the ballot, um, right. uh, unless they want to vote for you. Right? right. It's not because they saw a slick ad. Um, they have to know me and they have to want me to be their representative. So, um, so door knocking, talking to people, seeing what they actually wanted, um, knowing that they came to the poll because I knocked on their door four times, um, mm. that, that just like revitalized everything in my brain of, of like why we do this and why it's important. Um, so, so that part was really cool. Um, you mentioned the things that, you know, I, I imagine being in a, it's pretty privileged situation then to be, you know, at our age group because Manny Young and Conchahawken, I think were are kind of like the hubs of where young people were going post-college. Um, and to see, you know, what's lacking and then you, you're able to, you know, promote that vision for your first, for your first election. What you said, you know, obviously this is a, this is a a statement on, they can, they like what you were doing and they want to continue it. But I imagine you have to add stuff. You have to want to keep, not just, I want to do exactly right. You've got the website, you've got the, the technology. What did you have to do for, for last year for reelection to bring people on board for, new so um so it's kind of two pronged um the the way so uh, one thing uh, i learned about myself is i love running a campaign i love being in a campaign like i I just love it so you know we we planned it um way in advance months and months and months in advance probably the summer um before um uh the year i was going to run so like like we started planning in june july um, and I wasn't going to announce until the next February, right? Something like that. So like in the heat um, of COVID. It, yeah. And he was just, you know, uh, it wasn't a bad time to do it. We had yeah. the time to like think of, think of everything through, but the way we, we mapped it out was uh, door knocking is always the core of the campaign. Um, but then we wanted like different waves of like my messaging and, and what I was going to talk to people about. So, um, so wave one, um, when I was running in the primary was, um, um, like a bio piece, like, like, here's me, like things have changed in four years. Like I, I see people moving in and out all the time. Um, I can't assume everyone knows me. Mm. Um, here's my bio. Here's where I live. Here's a picture of, of, of wifey. Um, 
here, here's, um, you know, my background, the schools I went to, blah, 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 blah. So, so the first was just get to know me. Um, and, and then we focused, um, my, my big thing the first time I ran was actually on um, pedestrian and traffic safety. Um, because the mayor, the one actual thing I'm in charge of is the police department. Okay. So it gives me a little bit of leeway to talk safety, even though I need counsel to get things done for me. I can do things. Um, I can put a stop sign up for 30 days. Council makes it permanent. Okay. I can do a bunch of stuff very, very temporarily, but without council, nothing stays. So, um, so that gave me a little leeway to say, you know, I'm going to make sure safety is a part of every conversation. Um, and, and one of the first things that got done was uh, the running trail through town, which is like the heart and soul for me, um, where I met Sarah, where I got engaged to Sarah, uh, where she runs every morning um, was um, all the intersections that cross the street in town were completely redone uh, my first year in office. Uh, so cool. widened, painted, new signage, new lighting, whole nine yards. Um, it looks completely different than it did four years ago. So um so I wanted to tell everyone what has gotten done in four years. That was the big thing. Like we actually got stuff done. I'm going to put it on all my materials um, mm. and talk about it. Um, and then, um, you know, and that's when you you have an opening to say, here's also what I want to do. We, we have this Butler Pike, which we call Fayette uh, in Conchokin. Right. Um, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's a four lane highway. It's a state road. Um, it, it's, it's kind of my white whale. It's, it scares me. Like I will be the first to say that it scares me that Sarah runs across it every so often. Um, and, and there's things I want to do to it. And there's things that I need the public behind me to do. Um, so my first term, um, I wanted to get all new traffic lights and crosswalks, which we got, um, this term, um, we're having conversations about turning it from a four lane road into a three lane road. Um, and then two of the streets without lights are going to get these lighted pedestrian walkways that I bothered our state rep about last night. Um, so that's when you, you kind of fish in some of those, like, here's the vision mm -hmm. I have. Right. Um, and then I closed this out in the, uh, fall and it was all about sustainability. Um, it, it means a lot to us as millennials, but it means even more to Gen Z who, um, who actually have a better voting record than most other age groups, which is actually amazing. Um, so yeah, so I, I want, I knew I wanted to close on sustainability. Um, we've had phenomenal progress on sustainability here in town. So, um, so really just saying what we've done and that this is the vision we're going to keep working towards this goal uh, of being hundred percent sustainable, um, was what I wanted to leave everyone with at the end of the campaign. Um, and, and that, that, that was it. Like, like just making sure they knew a, that we did a lot and B we're, we're still trying to do more. Um, and then, um, in three years and eight months, I'm just gonna, gonna go to sleep, take a nap. <laughs> um, I saw a news clip of, of you of a few months ago when there was some vandalism in, I think in a cemetery. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and I think in general, you know, I think we can all admit that the tolerance of politics has been tough in a public light. Um, and, and points of views and trying to, in your role, where your role is to not for legislation, but to keep the town together. Um, what's been, what's been difficult and what have you, what have you taken solace or, or, or almost, you know, um, what are you seeing as like the, the bright light of, of how you've been able to, to hold things together in Conshohocken? So uh, this is where everything comes together in a weird way. Um, so having this media background um, 
is is the backing for being able to communicate so clearly um, to to residents um, and, and knowing how to get a message across, knowing what works on social media, um, knowing that it's important that that I put out a statement when there's a big incident because um, it'll calm people um, and it'll show people we're on top of it. Um, that's where like all this foam stuff ties in really well with the mayor's office and the things that I've tried to do. Um, so before we get to the vandalism, let's talk about 2020. Yeah. So Concha Hocken is so visible. It's so public. We have, um, all the highways, we have two train stations, we have the river trail. There's like, everything is, it's like the center of the universe, right? Sure. So when um, Black Lives Matter was happening in 2020, we had eight demonstrations in town that wow. shut down the road. Um, and, and that was a challenge because um, what am I in charge of directly? The police. Right. And that was all of a sudden the flashpoint. So um, so the pressure got ramped up um, and the spotlight got ramped up. And um, I, I think that's where... You know, people are like, well, it's the mayor, like, like they're not, they're not in charge of everything, but here's this like, like, wow, like I actually have a huge job to do right now because um, our messaging has to be on point. We have a very young population that really cares about what's going on. And we have a police force um, that have to be, um, I don't want to say guided because I think they did a really, really good job. Um, and, and it's different than Philly because it's a small town and we have 24 officers and it's a whole different relationship to the residents. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, um, having a, a protest group shut down the road and, and um, you know, no justice, no peace and saying things like that that are, that are you know, not what police necessarily want to hear yeah. but puts us in a weird spot. Um, so, um, so it came down to two things. It came down to, um, my messaging and, and making sure that I was putting messaging out there that, um, that we hear you, we see you, uh, the murder of George Floyd was just that it was murder. Um, and, um, I have discussions with our chief and with our departments, um, every day. And, and actually here's, what's really interesting. I'm coming from a Philly high school, um, young, young, youngest mayor in Conchac in history, we were already having these discussions before before Black Lives Matter was happening. So when people were, were messaging me concerned, I was like, mm -hmm. look, I know this is a big time in our history, but I've been having these conversations for two years with our department. Like, like, like I'm glad everyone's joining the table in the conversation, but this has already been going on. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other big thing was um, I built up a relationship with our chief. Um, it, it's a, it's kind of like this odd couple. He's been uh, He's been around on the force longer than we've been alive. He's been on wow. the air force here. He's seen Conchak and change from stabbings in the park to the mayor can't afford a house. Right. Mm. Um, and there came a point where I said, you know, me first Jewish mayor, um, first gen immigrant, um, first millennial mayor, whatever, all these things um, is different. Public school teacher is different than you saying it. And I think you need to put out a statement. And he said, you know, and, and good guy, he said, you know, I've been thinking about it. I just wasn't sure what to do. I said, why don't you send it to me? And we'll, we'll bounce it around and then we'll put it out under the, the official police social media. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, you know, he'd been looking around at some of the surrounding municipalities and he thought they were like really cookie cutter. And he wanted to say something that was a little more raw um, and talk about like, like what he's seen in 40 years in policing, right? And how it, how it fits into what, what we're talking about um, in 2020. 
And he made this perfect statement calling what happened to George Floyd murder, um, saying how um, the, the police are, are guardians. They're they are not warriors. They're here to protect and to serve and how the police don't, um, they don't have any authority without the trust of the public. Like, like mm-hmm. everything you would want to hear in that conversation is coming out and, and I'm able to clean it up and, you know, you know, do, do whatever I need to do to, to help make it sound really good. But, um, uh, you know, uh, so, so from that to my message to um, making sure the um, demonstrators had a, a, a line and a contact with the police so everyone was on the same page and, and knew what was going to happen at each demonstration, um, we got through it and we got through it without any negative incidents. Um, in fact, uh, our, our chief and officers would often um, go to, you know, the, the end of the, the march and, and talk to people in the crowd and just, just have that public face, which yeah. was really, really good. Um, and then, you know, that, that kind of is how I cut my teeth on like, like an emergency situation, um, an unexpected situation, um, and and actually providing value in this weird position Mm -hmm. of mayor. Um, and then when the graffiti happened, um, so we, we had just for context, we had graffiti, um, in three cemeteries around the area, um, contract in Plymouth and White Marsh. Um, it was the same night Russia invaded Ukraine. So wow. <clears throat> we, we believe it probably is connected to that. Um, it was all the same color and same font. So we think it's all the same people. Um, it was also like, like anti-Semitic and, and racist and all this other stuff in Catholic cemeteries, which is really odd. Mm. So like a lot of stuff doesn't make sense. Like we don't think there was some organized plot. We think it was just you know, people wanting to spread some hate. Um, they did it in cemeteries in the middle of the night. Generally speaking, there's not cameras pointing at a cemetery. There's never really incidents that happen there. Um, But, you know, we woke up to to that um, terrible situation. And um, like, what do you do? Right. Like um, I called I called our council president. I said, I just wrote a statement. Can you um, if you like it, can I put your name on it? She said, yep. I called um, Chris Monero, who's in charge of um, the Plymouth Township Council. Um, he read it, he approved it. So I put my name on it. And then I called the, um, chair of the white marsh, um, supervisors and, um, same thing said, if this is cool, can we sign off on it? We had a statement done within 10 minutes and I had all four of our leaders on it and posted, um, and, um, and obviously it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't, um, it doesn't make things better, but it shows everyone we're on top of it. It shows everyone we care. Um, you know, it seems so silly, but you do have to say this is wrong and inappropriate and terrible. Um, and we're going to give the police um, whatever they need to, to get this thing solved. It's mm-hmm. like, you actually have to say that. Yeah, so, yeah. so we said it, right? <laughs> um, and we said it very quickly. Um, and then like, as a media person, I learned that things have changed. Um, usually, like you need to write a press release, right? Like you need to send a press release and then that, that gets printed or, or whatever. Um, this is the first time I've seen um, all of our local media around the area from the, the news channels to the Philly voice to whatever, um, just take my social media posts as quotes, never reached out for comment. They actually just use it as quotes all over the area. So, so that was a learning experience for me. So now I have to think about that every time I post something yeah, that is, I apparently that is now considered a quote. Well, we've um, learned, they, right? Social media, yep. yeah, now can be an official statement for for That's any it. elected official. 
but I, you know, I would have told my uh, my mass media class that you should ethically reach out for comment, right? And huge, massive channels in our area did not do that. Um, uh, yeah. So, so that that's a new learning um, experience for me. And then of all um, of all channels, um, Fox Twenty Nine is the one that reached out and wanted to do like a real interview. So, so we did it. Wow. But Talk yeah, we had two years of, of actually seeing the value of, of being the face, um, even though I don't necessarily have the authority, um, there's a lot of value in being in this position, having me in particular in the position. Right into the deep end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I had um, a, a really good friend say once, um, it, it, as long as you're, you're doing the right thing and your heart's where it should be, like, you're just just go out there and do it. Right. Like, like you're always going to be okay if those are your motivations. So uh, as quickly th as things can happen, I think that's always been my mindset. So, so hopefully it's, it keeps serving us well. Yeah. Do you, um, I mean, you're the mayor of Conshohocken. Do you, do you go back to Wizzahicken to, I don't know, spread the, these stories? Do you, are you, I mean, I, I've got a beef with the, with the Wizzahickon Hall of Fame. Uh, it seems so sporadic. Um, you know, what's, yeah. what's your relationship like with Wizzahickon at this point? Um, so, uh, you know, I, interestingly, I am the um, dual enrollment liaison between Wizzahickon and Monk. Oh, perfect. So, okay. So that's cool. Um, I, I haven't had to do a whole lot with it as of yet. Um, but uh, really, I haven't had, uh, you know, uh, I go back with with um, Ryan Conway. We do the um, the alumni race okay. um, for cross country. But but really, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I really have not interacted a ton um, with Wissahickon. Um, I haven't interacted a ton with Colonial. Um, I do interact quite a bit with Conchi Elementary, which is physically in town. Mm -hmm. So so I've been a little more aggressive with that. Um, Monco has been great because Monco lets me live both lives and mm -hmm. they're, they're happy to have me on staff uh, and, and doing stuff in the community. So that's really, really um, been a benefit. Um, and, and I'm still very connected to Northeast High School. So I was actually there on Wednesday. Um, I serve as the chair of their um, Occupational Advisory Council. So um, industry professionals that oversee um, their tech teachers. So they send oh. us um, equipment that they need, and you have to have all everything signed off by industry professionals that this is still relevant equipment and and it's worthy of being on the budget and things like that. So, so I chair that committee twice a year uh, with all their teachers, and then I proctored their technical exams on Wednesday. So I was actually in the building um, with the kids, and they had to like white balance the camera and, and yeah. shoot like a medium shot and um, color correct using uh, Photoshop and things like that, which is really amazingly cool. Yeah, that that's cool. what they have to do. Um, but yeah, I, I've probably been much more connected to, to that high school than anything else. Uh, at, at what point did you learn how to masterfully work around a schedule? I mean, the things that you are involved <laughs> in, um, and, and then when you add in, you know, your certification and, and things like that, you're still yeah. doing, um, how, how are you, how did you learn how to do this? This is a, this is a skill in itself. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, being in the high school and it was a Hicken and we had, we had classmates that did this, right? Like, like they were like in the AP classes and, um, 
did all the clubs and did sports mm-hmm. and w- did the play like like and I'm I remember thinking like what how do they do that mm-hmm. like that's insane to me um and here we are right um yeah but um I yeah but so, they were doing it from like a time period of like 7:45 a.m. to like 5:45 yes, in the and yes, then after that yes. like that's it outside of like practice yeah yeah true um so I I would say this like if I have a student ask me about it I I what I would say is, is you load up your plate and, and you just find a way, like you just find a way to get it done. Like you just do. And then the more you do that, the better at it you get. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I have like nine events tomorrow. Um, and I would like to go for a run or something. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go from event to event. I'm going to get it done. Um, my wife is away, so she's not going to be there to chat everyone up. I can kind of move a little more quickly. So that's good. Um, and then I probably won't get my run. Um, cause you know, that that's just what gets sacrificed. Um, unfortunately, um, but you get better at it and you get better at like looking at the week ahead. Um, so, so my current class for temple is, is just like very routine. So I have to read a chapter, take a quiz, do a discussion board. Right. Mm. So I just have to make sure I do that at some point during the week. Um, and um, the biggest thing on on like a marriage level is um, we have the shared Google calendar. So so Sarah knows what I'm doing. I know what she's doing. And then like we know if one of us has to grab dinner or something. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we know how to do that. So that, that, that's actually a skill we had to learn <laughs> because we weren't like, like I would be an event. She's like, well, it's not on the calendar. And I'm like, ah. So we, we had to learn how to do that. Um, so you just get better, you just get better at, at knocking things off the list. Um, I, um, I, 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 I personally need to get better at, um, saying no, I, I, I can't do everything. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me. I'm a, I'm a yes person. I, I love staying busy. I love doing things. I feel guilty when I'm not busy. Mm. Um, like when friends, like, um, like when I went to the Phillies game, um, in October, September, whatever it was. I remember being really stressed about it. Like, like all Ryan is asking me to do is go with him to the Phillies game on a Friday night. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to knock tonight. I'm losing a day. I'm yeah. going to be tired for knocking tomorrow. And then of course I went, we had a great time. We caught up, we got buzzed and we called all our old cross country friends and <laughs> FaceTimed them and they, they showed us their babies and you know and we're sitting in this and of course the Phillies lost by like 12 runs so it, it was perfect um but you know that that's important too and, and and making sure um that that you leave time for friends and for decompressing and not and then trying not to feel guilty about it you know mm-hmm. um but I also know I'm on the clock and there's a lot on my shoulders and um uh like I do represent 9,000 people. So right. I have, I, I do have that responsibility and I, I take it pretty seriously. So, um, so, so you feel that, like, you feel like you, ha- you have to be on point. You have yeah. to keep, keep your stuff together. Where does, how do you look back at was a hick? I mean, you, you sound like so worldly, I guess, you know, you, between your traveling around the country and your parents' uh, experience, you being, uh, an immigrant yourself. I assume you go back. You've you've traveled to Israel. I'm assuming since then. Have you gone back? Yeah. Uh, so interesting story. Um, because I was born there, I'm a citizen, and uh, military is compulsory for for citizens. Oh wow. So um, so I went in '99 before before my senior year, the summer of '99, and I haven't been back since. Okay. 
And part of that is because um, my, my, my dad was special forces in the military there. My mom was an Air Force commander. <laughs> so, wow. so I'm good stock to be uh, plucked off a plane. I remember um, even in 99, I needed a letter from the U.S. consulate that I, I wanted to serve in the U.S. military. So, so don't take me or so, something like that. Um, and then, um, and you know, I, I say that, but you know, I was also in college. I was also in LA. I was also in Australia and then Boston and whatever. So I, I did get like just too crazy to just take time off and be there. But, mm -hmm. um, uh, that's the last time I was in Israel it was 99. All my cousins are there. Oh, my, wow. my grandparents were there. Like, like I still have a ton of family there. My in fact, my sister is moving from Collegeville, um, to Israel, um, next month. So at what the, point are you, are you just too old and washed up that they're not going to want you? Oh, I'm there. Yeah. Okay. That's no longer, <laughs> no longer. I'd be flattered at this point if they try to, <laughs> we got bad uh, backs and stuff in. now. Oh yeah. 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 Um, you know, this is the time I think when, um, over, especially over the last few years that we as Americans look to, um, good people, diverse people, um, younger people than what we ourselves maybe grew up seeing, um, as politicians, you see what happened with, uh, with Pete Buttigieg, um, you know, for yep. you is mayor is mayor, what you what you want to accomplish. Do you look down the road and say, maybe there's an opportunity to influence something bigger. Is that in your forecast at all? Um, I, I've been getting that a lot, especially since the, the second term, uh, started, um, I, I don't know. I, I would say uh, I'm not actively looking to continue. Um, I, I think in the mayor role specifically, eight years is great. Um, I am good um, after those eight years, and then we'll let some some other young young person, hopefully hopefully a female, take over. Um, I, but I don't know. We'll see. Like uh, the the one interesting thing is like state rep and 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 state senate. Um, directly oversee things that I'm passionate about, like education and, and boosting resources for career tech ed specifically. Mm. Um, one of the few things, by the way, that, that all the parties agree on as, as a priority. Um, so, so that is intriguing to me, but you know, um, it, it's also a lot of, um, uh, constituent services. Like I, I have to deal with a lot of, of issues and, and that's not like the most fun part of the job. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that becomes a much bigger priority once you're a state rep, because you are that person, you are the person to solve those state level issues. Um, so I'd say maybe I, I, I would think about it. I would talk to Sarah about it, of course. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not also in love with going to Harrisburg. Like sure. I, I made it back here um, and I'm so happy to be back in the area and, and especially going from Bluebell to Conshohocken. It's like all my, 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 my safe spaces. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, who knows, like, who knows? I would have never thought I'd be a mayor and have fun with it and be able to do great things with it. Um, but, but we'll see. And, and, you know, um, one of our, um, candidates for governors from Abington and, um, knows our area very, very well, mm -hmm. um, served as commissioner of Montgomery County specifically. Um, so it, if he um, if he wins office, he may be looking to people from this area to to help him out in his administration. So um, so who knows who knows where things take us. Um, but I could also be very happy just 
giving this up and uh, being a professor and, and just kind of relaxing for, for a few years. Yes, they keep and, enjoying life with alone. Sarah. Yes, yes, that 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 is um, equally is uh, intriguing. So once, I'd be happy with that too. Once you make that leap, there's real no, really no going back. So that that's yeah, it, it's a level up for sure. I think local is one thing, and I think leveling up to, I think once you go full time and and that's your gig, I think that's when things change. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome, man. This has been so much fun. Yes. It's been nice to you. reminisce. Think about, yeah. I forgot about uh, Final Destination. That's a memory we brought back. <laughs> Devin Sawa. <laughs> yes. And uh, Sarah Miller walking out three times on our first date. Oh, that's great. Yep. <laughs> um, well, was there anything that you wanted to to talk about or or say or promote or anything, you know, that you want to people yeah. to keep in mind out there? Um, uh, yeah, I'll do two things. Um, the, so one of the, the most important things I've done, um, in the last four years, you can see that country strong sign, um, that was initially started during the pandemic as a way to bring together, um, residents, our small businesses, our nonprofits, our community groups. Like we had these signs all over contract. Um, so, um, so if you see them, you know, give them some love. Um, let the let the um, business owner or whoever know that 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 you went to Wissaken with me or whatever. Um, and then uh, we actually had that catastrophic flooding in September, so we did the same thing. We we sold them for for ten dollar donation, and then any money we made, we gave directly to our uh, local food pantry in town. Wow. So um, so just getting that out there. That's if you see a post with Conchie Strong, that's what we're alluding to is that 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 um, initiative, um, and then. My big event, my big giant thing that I do every year, it's the first Saturday in um, June, so it'll be June 4th, is the Conchalk and Arts Festival and Car Show. Um, shut down the entire Fayette slash Butler. Um, we shut it down. We, we just have arts vendors and these beautiful cars, and we have two stages with bands, and um, it benefits um, the Conchalk and Art League, which puts on education, uh, arts education for um, residents in the area. They've been around for 100 years. Um, and then my wife and I started a nonprofit called Destination Conchahawken, mm. where we, um, that's where we do our community work. So it's how we take in funds. It's how we cut checks. It's how we buy insurance for the festival, things like that. Um, it's a group called Destination Conchahawken. Um, so it benefits us as well and helps us do events all year long um, after the arts festival. So, so if you're around and you want to come to town on June 4th, please do. Um, we'll have a, a big booth and I'll, I'll be running around like a chicken with my head off, but, but, but say hi. I saw, um, I saw Laura Polish um, there last year. She came by and uh, said hi with her two kids uh, who I hadn't even met because of uh, COVID. So, um, so yeah, stop by. Uh, it's free come have fun. Um, and hopefully I get to see some of you. All right. That was my conversation with Yaniv Aronson. It's no secret. If you've listened to this podcast that I'm fascinated with people's stories of growing up and the transition into traditional families. So I really enjoyed hearing Yaniv talk about finding his passion for teaching and entering into politics with his girlfriend who became his wife and the role she played in the campaign and, and now his first lady. So thanks again, Yaniv, for saying yes, being excited about it, and just a great conversation. And don't forget, June 4th, the Conchahawken Arts Festival. If you're in the area that weekend, go check it out and look for Yaniv. Don't forget, youtube.com slash redshirtplaya for full video of this conversation and lots more. Plus, throw me a subscribe if you can. In two weeks, I'll be back with another guest, likely to be another in-person guest. 
It's being recorded this week, so we keep our fingers crossed until it happens. But follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School for a sneak peek of the upcoming guest. All right, that is it for me. I will talk to everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning. Later.